We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It is Wednesday morning. Nick Whalen, Brady Kravitz here with you talking NBA, believe it or not, Brandon, on the Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Pod. Uh, a lot to get to today. We are a little over 24 hours away from the NBA trade deadline. We'll talk about what we expect to happen or perhaps not happen, who could be on the move, who's going to be staying put before tomorrow's 3 p.m. deadline. We'll talk about some all-star news, some takeaways from a fun Tuesday night slate. But first, Brandon, we got some messages to pass along from our, our close personal friends over at Underdog. Underdog's the number one platform for NBA best ball and DFS player pickup contest. If you have not tried Underdog yet, new users get a, a first-time deposit bonus up to $100 and a free six-month subscription to Rotowire with promo code RWNBA. That's RWNBA. Visit underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog app today and use that code RWNBA. That'll get you a free Rotowire subscription, all access, everything on our site for six months, as well as that deposit bonus up to 100 bucks. We're also brought to you by FanDuel, where you can tackle millions, millions in prizes, all playoffs long, all NBA season long as well, in FanDuel Fantasy Contest. If you're new to fantasy, there's no better time to get in on the action because right now, new customers get a 100% deposit match up to $100. Playing fantasy for huge cash prizes on FanDuel is fun. It's exciting. Just draft your lineup. Watch your team move up the leaderboard. I was playing on FanDuel last night, Brandon. Thought I put together a pretty good lineup. You know, had uh, had Precious Achua in there. He had a nice night. Had Kyrie Irving in there. He played well. Jalen Brunson. Didn't matter. Didn't matter. It was a tough contest. Barely missed the cash line. But uh, always a lot of fun playing on FanDuel. Uh, you can choose full slate contests. You can do multiple games, single games. You can basically pick whichever games you want to be included. Season-long best ball, they offer that as well. Beginner-only contests. Uh, just about any or any uh, DFS contest you want to create, uh, you can do that over at FanDuel, including private contests with your friends. Those are a lot of fun. And when you win, you get paid instantly. So we got the Super Bowl coming up. We got plenty of NBA left. Go over to FanDuel, get that 100% deposit match up to $100. Go to FanDuel.com to start playing for huge cash prizes today, or just go download their app. All right, Brandon, let's get down to brass tacks. The Pro Bowl. How was it? Uh, the, uh, shockingly uh, well attended, 
there were 50, over 55,000 people in attendance. That was the I, announced I saw, crowd. I saw you taping for, for an Orlando NFL team. I mean, this must have gone well. <laughs> I'll do that any chance I can get. This certainly wasn't the first time I've well, thrown that the problem tweet is, out I, there. I think I think if they were to get a team, they might, they might steal a team from uh, Northeast Florida. Yeah. Well, however... However you have to go about doing it. Uh, I, I don't think I, I have much confidence in there being a fourth Florida team in the NFL. So you'd probably have to snake the uh, the Bucks or the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. And I haven't heard a lot of chat, uh, chatter about uh, the Bucks leaving Tampa Bay. It's a pipe dream. But, but I do think that it is a, a good sterling example of how great a sports market this is that I live in. And unfortunately, we're not populated with a bunch of professional sports. So just to give you a layout of what this city was like over this past weekend, you had the Pro Bowl in town. You also had the Paris Olympic trials for marathon runners in town. They blocked off all the streets around downtown Orlando and Megacon was going on at our convention center, which brings that's like, you know, that's where all the all the nerds go. They dressed up like superheroes or characters from The Walking Dead and you can meet celebrities and they've got different booths set up. Thousands of people come into town for this and go to, yeah. And they do this stuff all around the country. But so we had all three of those things going on. All three, by the way, incredibly well attended events. Forget yeah. about MegaCon for a second because it's not sports related. There were over 100,000 people lining the streets to watch people run a marathon. I certainly was not one of them, but kudos to those that felt like that was something they needed to do. And then 55 strong packing the Pro Bowl. I mean, Give us real sports, please. Clearly, this town is ready for it. So that's why I'm on the campaign trail, Nick. That, that town will watch anything, man. Running. I'm telling uh, you. We are... I, I do really like what the NFL has done with all the Pro Bowl games. Like, the players are taking it, like, relatively seriously. You know, it's like they're not just loafing it around out there. Like, I, I really like all, like, kind of the mini games. It, it kind of throws back to, like, some of the stuff you could do on Madden back in the day. Um, you know, the game itself, obviously, nobody's going to have a, a lot of great things to say about that. But – um, I, I, th- I think they're, they're, they're managing what they can. You know, I think the other option would be like, just eradicate the pro bowl in general. And I don't think the NFL wants to do that. And especially when you're drawing almost 60,000 people. Um, but we did not come here to talk about the pro bowl. We'll, we'll cover that on Sirius XM when you join us, uh, this week, Brandon, uh, you know, we'll, we'll do an official Super Bowl pick at the end of this pod. However, just to get that on the record, we got the trade deadline coming up here and you know, Woj has been putting out like 20 minute pods every day this week, just giving updates. And I listened yesterday and he was just like, yeah, there's not really a whole lot going on right now. You know, it's like, there's just, it kind of echoes what we've been saying, which is it's, it's tough to identify which teams are the true sellers, right? There are some obvious ones at the bottom, you know, your Memphis on down in the West, uh, you know, Toronto on down in the East, but a lot of these bad teams don't really have a whole lot of pieces that would be appealing to a contending team, right? It's like, if you're San Antonio, who are you trading? You know, Detroit, you know, yeah, you got Bogdanovich, but the interest seems to be relatively tepid on him. Uh, you know, Toronto's already made their move. Memphis has everybody injured. I don't think they're really trying to rebuild necessarily. Uh, Portland, you know, Malcolm Brogdon, you, you can you can pick and choose players here and there, but uh, you know, DeJounte Murray to me still seems to be the biggest name that's that's been batted around. I don't know if you've heard, you know, any rumblings anywhere else, but I think there are, there are so many teams that feel like they're in contention and you could go all the way down to, you know, the Lakers as the nine seed in the West or golden state at the 11s. Like, I don't think they're, they're ready to punt on their season where 
you know, there are some years where you could kind of draw that line a little bit higher up in the standings and say, okay, there, there are maybe four or five more teams that might be willing to talk. Yeah, and I agree about Golden State. I don't think they want to punt on the season as long as they have Steph Curry and they're starting to find some life with guys like Jonathan Kaminga and Brandon Pajemski. So I think that they feel like they could retool things. And I think that that's the operative word. It's not about punting on a season. It's about how do we retool things and get better. And the Warriors are in that bucket. I think you could put teams like the um, the Sacramento Kings in that sort of category. Um, does uh, uh, does a team like uh, you know the Lakers? Obviously, they're always going to be talked about in this discussion. Are the Knicks done making moves? What about the Philadelphia 76ers who are losing Joel Embiid for six weeks and they still want to try and stay afloat? We saw what they looked like without Embiid in the lineup the other night. Uh, they got smacked around by the Dallas Mavericks. So uh, there are still teams that I think that the Milwaukee Bucks, are they done with the roster that they have? They fired their coach in the middle of the season. So clearly they're they not all terrible. that settled. I think that there still are teams that could make that move. It's just, yeah, it's about finding a dance partner and there are players out there, but are there real needle movers? They're going to, are going to change the course uh, of your franchise. The, the only thing that makes me feel confident that we are going to see a bu this flurry of moves at the deadline is that the trades we've already seen go down have been at a relatively cheap price. The OG Ananobis, Pascal Siakam, Terry Rogiers of the world, it doesn't feel like you have to give up a King's ransom. So maybe in that regard, we'll start to see some of these guys fly off the board. Yeah. Which is interesting because then you hear, you know, Alex Caruso, Dorian Finney-Smith, you, you need multiple first round picks to get these guys. And you're like, well, you know, Pascal Siakam, I, you know, Siakam, I think, went for a you know a, a reasonable price. Obviously, OG as well. I mean, those are big name players involved. But the Rozier one, especially, that that price tag did shock me. And I think you're right. It'll be interesting to see if you know, we're going to get some moves uh, between now and, and 3 p.m. tomorrow. But I, I think it's more likely that it's on the margins. Like you said, you know, DeJounte Murray, to me, is probably the biggest name player who could be traded. And I also yep. think it's completely realistic that he is still a member of the Atlanta Hawks, you know, come tomorrow night. Uh, DraftKings has some odds up on, you know, next team for, for some guys who could get dealt. And, you know, DeJounte Murray is plus 120 to remain on the Atlanta Hawks. He's plus 300 to play for the Lakers. And then, you know, somewhere between like 12 to one and 30 to one to play for just about any other team. Um, you know, I, I think Philly is a really interesting team now. And if Joel Embiid was healthy, I think they would absolutely be a buyer. You know, they, they could even be, a team that would try to get in on, on DeJounte Murray or, or someone like Malcolm Brogdon or Jeremy Grant. I, I think that could still happen, but it, it becomes a little dicier now if you're Philly. It's like, are you giving up real assets to get somebody only to find out that, okay, this meniscus injury for Joel Embiid is, is worse than we thought. He's not recovering as, as quickly as we thought. It's lingering into the playoffs. And no matter what we do at the deadline, it's not going to matter. So if, if you're Philly, are you willing, are you willing to take that chance? Uh, knowing that it's Daryl Morey, my guess is yes. But, you know, the Embiid injury does kind of call this into question. Yeah, I mean, of course, it depends on who we're talking about and, and, and who they're getting back. I almost wonder if him getting hurt makes them more aggressive in the trade market just to try and stay where they are in the East and, and make sure that they're ready to go when Joel Embiid gets back. So it kind of serves two masters in that way. Yeah. I would think they're not trying to move off of many pieces. This would be a deal where they're sending draft picks and a load of them to whoever – uh, whoever they end up trading with. Uh, DeAnthony Melton maybe becomes somebody that's on the move. Tobias Harris, if the name is good enough, coming back. But I would think they're making calls for Buddy Heald, Kyle Kuzma, those kind of guys, just to try and 
and stay afloat. And then also, yeah, when he comes back, if they add a piece like that, I think we all feel better about them as legitimate title contenders. Yeah, Philly's got to be careful. You know, you mentioned they've slid a little bit with Embiid out. And it hasn't been just been Embiid. You know, Tobias Harris missed time. Uh, Tyrese Maxey missed time. There were some games that they basically just had to throw away because they were so banged up. But they've slid now to fifth in the Eastern Conference. And they're only four games uh, ahead of the playing spot, which would be Miami right now at seven. They're tied with Orlando at 27 and 24. So, I mean, it's four games is a nice cushion, but there's plenty of time left in the season, right? They've played 49 games on the year. So I think Philly does have to be careful. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Um, let's talk a little bit about some of last night's games. Uh, we'll get some takeaways there. We'll get, get more into trade deadline talk. And as always, uh, we will take listener questions, live viewer questions. So make sure to throw those in the chat. We'll, we'll put those up on the screen and answer those later in the pod. Uh, but Eric, our good pal here, Brandon, says he came for his weekly diet of Orlando Magic News. Uh, good morning to both of you. Good morning, Eric. Uh, so let, let's go to Orlando, Brandon. Miami took care of business last night at home, a 121-95 victory for the Heat. Uh, I could tell you I was all over Franz Wagner props last night. Not a good night to be on the the Wagner over one and a half made threes. Uh, I made the mistake of turning that game on late, thinking like, all right, you know they they need me. I need I need I need to I need to see this one home. And I just I watched Franz Wagner brick like four threes in the fourth quarter alone. One of seven from beyond the arc, seven turnovers. I mean, one of his worst games of the year. Yeah, uh, it, that's funny that you say that. I actually I do the opposite. If I bet a game and I'm watching it. I'm th- and it's not going the way I need it to, I turn it off because I'm like, I'm making them nervous. I feel like I'm yeah. adding too much pressure. And I've come back and won a lot of bets that way. But it's important that you, <laughs> if you're watching the game and it's a disaster, you know, it's like the meme that we all see online. Once I bet on a team, these guys, like, they they all have two left feet the second I put money on them. So I got to I gotta take a step back. But, yeah, last night, do you, do you ever do that, by the way? Or are you... You're like, I, I got to turn it off. It's the only way to see this bet through. Is to oh, not yeah. Watch it. Yeah. You know, I've, I've experimented with really 
both both methods, right? Sometimes mm-hmm. you turn it on. Like, there's nothing better than flipping a game on. And you're like, man, I need one more three or I need two more rebounds. And then you watch it happen and you're it's just, great. you know, you're going nuts. Like, it, it's the best. But yeah, that's ideal. When you're, when you're, when there's like two minutes left and the Magic are down big and they're just launching threes and you're like, I, this has got to be the one. It's got to be the one. The worst part is I always have box scores up too. You know, I, I got a few monitors in my office, got the TV going, and the box scores are ahead usually of the broadcast, at least on League Pass. You know, there's like a 15 second delay. So, you know, I'm watching the box score and I see Franz Wagner, you know, he's one of six and then it says one of seven. And then I know that possession is ending with a missed three for Franz Wagner. Yeah, but there's still a little piece of you that's thinking maybe they got it wrong. Maybe right. they got it wrong. Maybe this three goes in. Uh, but yeah, last night, definitely rough around the edges. It was the last game of a five-game road trip. Those can be treacherous. I kind of thought the Magic would take this one um, and buck the trend of the team that's just dying to get home. They uh, have reasserted themselves in that seven, you know, six, seven range in the Eastern Conference. And with a win over the Miami Heat, not only would they tie the season series that was the last game they'll play against Miami this year but they would also have uh they wouldn't give the tiebreaker over to Miami for the end of the season so these two teams might meet in the play-in uh, but they would also hold like a really nice two-game lead over them in the Eastern Conference standings and that's what the goal of this that's what the, the goal of the season is all about is just establishing yourself as one of those top six or seven teams in the Eastern Conference. So this game should have been treated like a playoff game. They did not uh, treat it as such, and the Miami Heat did. And I think it just speaks to that that, uh, hashtag Heat culture that we talk about all the time. This is a veteran team that was in the NBA Finals last year. They are the prototype of the type of team that should be mailing it in right before the All-Star break. And yet here you have the young and hungry magic that show up lifeless and listless I do think that it's a good thing in the long run, as long as the upper management team decides to look at it this way. The the Magic should be a prime candidate to be one of these aggressive teams come Thursday. And that game last night was a prime example of what they need to improve on. They couldn't shoot to save their lives. Jalen Suggs had three points. Paolo led the team with 23. Everybody else was awful. Um... I just think that it's it's been obvious that they need to add offense, and I hope that last night served as a even more of a prime example of that. Yeah, their team I would like to see work something on the fringes, right? You know, Buddy Heald is is kind of the obvious name, but they they need somebody like Buddy Heald. Uh, the the shooting Desperately. on this team is horrendous, and you know there there are other options out there as far as you know kind of three point specialist type of players. But what what has been your read? I mean, do you have any? Any inklings on on the type of player that they've been chasing? Do you expect them to be aggressive? You know, I think, you know, going for it for the Orlando Magic is maybe a little bit different than it is for other teams. I think this is a team that would just be really happy to avoid the play-in in in the Eastern Conference. Absolutely. And I I think that's what it's all about. Um, I've been trying to preach that on my daily radio show here in Orlando. Yeah, it'd be great if you could get into a conversation about adding Luka Doncic. But, I mean, come on, that's pie-in-the-sky fan-thinking. You know, I mean, really what you're trying to do is just solidify your spot and move up one or two if you possibly can. And the best way to do that is fortify some positions of weakness and and you definitely want to improve on three-point shooting. So guys like Tyus Jones have come up, Boyan Bogdanovich, who's somebody who um, shoots lights out 41% from three the last couple of years, averages 20 points per game. So names like that are the ones that I think are realistic options. 
I really do think the Magic are going to make moves. It's just a matter of how big will that move be. Jonathan Isaac, expiring contract, non-guarantee, $17 million for next year. Uh, Markel Fultz, expiring contract, $17 million. Gary Harris, expiring contract, $13 million. They have cheap contracts. They have expiring contracts. They have the perfect recipe to make a move at the deadline, even if it's just a small one. So I think you do see something. It's just how big does that, how big does that move get, and how much does it move a needle? So I'm writing a piece that's going to go up on Rotowire as well as Yahoo today about players you could drop uh, ahead of the trade deadline in order mm-hmm. to make room for you know somebody who might shake free, right? So it's, it's probably not someone like Bogdanovich or Heald. Those guys are are owned in, in the vast majority of competitive leagues. But you know, I, I think you're thinking, okay, let's say let's say Bogdanovich is traded from Detroit to Orlando. Does that finally, you know, reopen the floodgates for someone like Asar Thompson? You know, there, there will be guys who who become relevant after the trade deadline. You know, Portland has some some dudes, especially if they were to part ways with Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, you know, Clint Capella is injured now, but you know, if he were to be traded, you know, Nyeka Kongwu would, would obviously be a big one, and, and you know, his roster rate is going to shoot up, of course, this week with Capella on the shelf. But um, you know, I, I, I talked about Sadiq Bay. As somebody I'm willing to drop, uh, Obi Toppin still way over rostered. I, I, I don't know why he's like 40% rostered right now in Yahoo leagues. Uh, and Markel Fultz made my list as well. Like I, I am a, I wouldn't say a believer. I am a, an, an optimist when it comes to Markel Fultz. I would, I would someday love to see him deliver on the promise that he had as a number one overall pick. I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's just a different player at this point. But uh, what have you seen from him? I mean, he's, he's been back in the starting lineup. You know, the minutes have slowly crept up, but you know, th- this article is supposed to focus on guys who are like difficult drops. You know, it's not somebody who's 4% rostered. Um, you know, Fultz is hovering around 50%, but I think if you're looking at this as, all right, I got, I got, you know, seven weeks or whatever after the trade deadline where I need to make hay. I just, I just don't know if like Mar- Marco Fultz is going to be that guy who's going to, you know, be what pushes you over the line. It's like he, maybe he's going to provide you with a decent floor. You're throwing him in your lineup on a four game week, but I, I don't necessarily see, you know, any, you know, tangible upside the rest of the way. Yeah, I, I think what you're getting from him right now is kind of just what he is. And and as much as I like Markel Fultz, the person, um, I think he's a good teammate. He's about the right things. He is part of the problem they have in that starting lineup. They can't shoot. And in today's NBA, you really have to have a point guard that 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 has that combo ability. And he just doesn't. And I, and I think that uh, last year we saw some of that confidence return he dealt with some injuries at the start of this season, and that confidence has waned. So whether that's a physical thing and uh, the thoracic outlet syndrome is – I haven't heard that. It's just a guess of mine that maybe that's become an issue again or mentally he's not over that hurdle yet. I'm just not seeing him shoot with as much confidence. It was almost like foolish confidence last year, but at least it was confidence. This year I'm not seeing any of that. So he's yeah. less aggressive, fades into the background – and is just not assertive enough to really lead a really good basketball team at the point guard position, I I think they would be best served to move off of him as their starting point guard, given that there is such a bevy of them across the NBA and, and that he has an expiring contract. So not knowing if he's on the magic, we've already seen what those numbers look like, not somebody that's carrying your fantasy uh-huh. team by any means, and who knows where he could land. Most likely a team that takes a shot on him it just adds them to the roster because they're trying to shed $17 million at the end of the year, not somebody they're going to try and focus uh, a, a build around. 
in, in category leagues, he's still giving you steals. I think that's what you can fall back on. But, you know, low end points, like you said, the three point shooting has evaporated. And really, I mean, what you were chasing in, you know, early this season and in years past is, was the assists as well. I mean, his assist rate, I looked this up yesterday, down to 22.4%. He was at 29.8% last season, and he averaged 32.1% over his previous three seasons. So that is a, a pretty huge drop. Uh, yeah. When you compare, you know, what he's been like when he's been healthy the last few years to to the type of passer he's been this season. So, yeah, I just and, and, I don't really see it with Fultz. And part of that is, I think part of that is him, but it's also how this team is starting to evolve. Franz Wagner and Paolo Bancaro specifically have the ball in their hands a whole lot more than they did last year. And it makes sense. Paolo was a rookie last season. And even though he was a sensational rookie, one rookie of the year, he's still just a rookie. Now they're much more comfortable in uh, at the start of games in critical situation, late in games, putting the ball in his hand. And Markel Fultz just isn't playing that role anymore. Uh, and we've seen the numbers dip because of it. Yeah, Magic got four home games coming up uh, before the All-Star break. Two of those come against the Spurs and the Bulls. Uh, interesting schedule for them, really. It, it's rel- it's mostly soft. Uh, like they're Eight of their next 12 come against the Spurs, the Bulls, the Pistons, the Hawks, the Nets, the Pistons again, the Hornets, and the Wizards. But you do mix in some matchups against OKC, the Knicks. They're at Cleveland. Um, they, they play home against Utah on the final day of February. But overall, this this should be a stretch of the schedule that they could take advantage of, you know, could go something like eight and four in that stretch. Uh, but very interested to see where the magic ultimately settle. Um, our Drello 28 asks us, uh, who's a mustache? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what we'll try to give you as many names as we can ahead of the deadline. Um, you know, obviously we, we've talked a lot about Inyaka Kungbu. I don't know if he really counts as a stash unless you're in a shallow league, but that's absolutely somebody who I would pick up. Um, you know, the, the problem is some of these names that we think could be moved on these, on these bad teams, you know, someone like, Malcolm Brogdon or Miles Bridges or Kyle Kuzma. It's like, I, I don't know that there's really some obvious guy who would step up. You know, I, I think if Malcolm Brogdon's traded, I, I will finally, you know, have some interest in Scoot Henderson just because I, I think the minutes are going to skyrocket. It's it's still going to be an uphill battle for him to be uh, productive in, in category leagues. I, I think especially nine cat leagues with the turnovers and the field goal percentage, but uh, he's somebody to keep an eye on. I mean, Charlotte's roster could look, completely different. Um, you know, I think if Miles Bridges is out of there or if PJ Washington is out of there, it, it, you know, it means more for Brandon Miller. You know, they still, they still have Gordon Hayward coming back. I don't know how much he's going to play down the stretch, uh, but you know, in deeper leagues, you know, someone like a Nick Smith, someone like a Bryce McGowan's who's, you know, had his weeks as a streamer. Um, that's kind of the extent of it though. I mean, you start to get into like borderline roster guys, borderline G leaguers for Charlotte pretty quickly. Yeah, their uh, their roster already depleted. No Lamelo Ball tonight, by the way. Again, um, so I, I would expect. By the way, Brandon Miller over twenty two and a half points tonight. That'll be the prop play for yours truly. Um, Gabe Vincent, someone that you know the Lakers tried to give a shot to, and it just doesn't seem like he's really part of the process there. And uh, they're definitely going to make a move because they're the Lakers. Yeah. So someone like that could be interesting. Um, you know, Gary Trent Jr. I know is uh, always on the trade block. I would look yeah. at some of those Rockets guys, too. I wouldn't be surprised if the Rockets made some moves. You're seeing Jalen Green's name out there. If he were to leave that roster, I think that would really open things up for guys around him. I, I still think he's a big enough name that if they traded him, it's like you're you're getting probably something more than picks back, 
right? And you know, then it's like, all right, are, are you are you really eradicating this problem of too many wings on this team? Uh, but I would love to see some consolidation. You know, even if it's trading someone like Jayshon Tate, <laughs> you know, it's like they, they yes. just have too many guys who could play that that two, three, and even slide up to the four spot. You know, Jeff Green has been in the mix for them. Um, you know, Cam Whitmore has been fantastic on, on on a per minute basis, but you know, they're struggling to find more than nineteen or twenty minutes a night for him. Uh, well, that's know, one of the guys that I was thinking of. If they trade Jalen Green, I would expect yeah. Cam Whitmore to be way more involved, and that's part of the reason you'd want to trade Jalen Green is because you really feel like you've found something in Whitmore, and yeah. and uh, and uh, Green still has trade value for now. Yeah, he does. He absolutely does. Um, you know, I, I think both of the Thompsons would be on my list for deadline stashes. You know, especially if if Bojan ends up being dealt from Detroit. But I, I do think at some point, you know, we we return to um, you know a, a Sar Thompson playing a bigger role. You know, the minutes every time he plays like twenty five plus minutes in back to back games, you're like, all right, here we go. I'm jumping back in, and then he plays seventeen minutes the next two games. So that that's been really frustrating. But I'm. I'm pretty fascinated with Amen Thompson as well. I mean, he has the same issue that that Whitmore has um, out in Houston. And, you know, he, he's got the start last night in place of Fred Van Vliet. We're going to have three more games at least with no Van Vliet. You know, I think it's very possible that he just doesn't play again until after the All-Star break. So there's there's going to be a nice little runway here for Amen Thompson. The other thing with Houston, though, is Tari Eason has been out for, you know, a month, maybe even more at this point. And I think once he comes back, that adds yet another name to the mix. So I, I would love to see Houston make a deal for fantasy purposes. Yes, uh, it, there are certain guys that we know we can rally around on on that roster, and um, and I think with all the the injuries or trade trade questions, you're not exactly who who sure who you should invest in yet. I think New Orleans is one of those sleeper teams, also that would be in that mix because we've talked a lot about their glut at that forward wing position. Yeah. I wonder if they're a team that tries to identify, we need to get better in a very specific area. And we've got guys like a Herb Jones uh, yeah. or Larry Nance that we can move off of. So they would be one of those teams not often talked about mm -hmm. that I think could get busy in the trade market. Yeah, Herb Jones is somebody that that's going to be featured in my article that I'm actually now comfortable dropping, which it pains me to say. I love Herb Jones. Got off to a great start this season. You know, was averaging basically three blocks and steals per game uh, up until Christmas. But since then, he's been at a half a steal and 0.7 blocks per game. You know, minutes have been down slightly. Still, still seeing 26, 27 on most nights. But we're now, you know, that's like a 20 game sample where he's only recorded multiple blocks or multiple steals four times. And if Herb Jones is not really giving you that, you know, he's, he's still hitting like one and a half, two threes a game at a good clip. You know, he's not, he's not hurting you by any means, but again, after the deadline, if you got to make hay in a league, I, I don't think Herb Jones is, is really that guy right now. So um, I, I like that call though. New Orleans, they don't have to make a move. You know, they, they have a pretty nice roster here. And I, I think they, in some ways, like keeping these guys around for Zion insurance, you know, if he misses time, all of a sudden, you know, Herb Jones and Trey Murphy become, a hell of a lot more appealing, but they, they do have too many guys just specifically at that three, four spot, especially with Larry Nance back in the mix. I do think we see backup centers moved and, you know, it, it's tough for me to say like, all right, if, if Andre Drummond, you know, goes from Chicago to, I don't know, OKC, there's, there's so many teams that need a backup big Phoenix. Um, you know, I, I think you're specifically looking at teams in the West who are scheming for potential playoff opponents, right? Like, you know, the Clippers have plenty of bigs. Uh, Minnesota starts to traditional big men. Uh, Denver obviously has Jokic. The Kings have Sabonis. Uh, the Lakers are a huge team. You know, the Jazz are a huge team. Like you, you need 
especially if you're a team like OKC, like you need somebody other than Chet Holmgren just, just to be a body against right. some of those teams in the playoffs. So, I mean, Drummond to me, I, I think he probably gets moved. The question is, you know, he's somebody that only needs like 15 minutes to be somebody I'm, I'm comfortable starting in a deeper league on a four game week because of the rebounding and the defensive stats. Would it be an upgrade, you know, if he, if he finds his way out of Chicago? Like, I, obviously, I, I don't think there's a team that's trading for him and, and saying, all right, we're starting you and playing you 25 minutes a night. That's a good question. It's hard to say that he'd be an upgrade because I like the way that Chicago is using him right now. And uh, there's really nobody that gets in his way when he's out on the floor and mopping up those rebounds. So uh, it, I guess it very much depends on where he would end up. But I think, yeah, a team like would Sacramento make a deal like that because they would be one of the smaller teams. Um a team like Phoenix, who doesn't necessarily want to bring Bull Bull off the bench as their backup center guy like that, um, and Yusuf Nurkic has dealt with injuries. I'm just not sure that that improves Andre Drummond's fantasy stock. No. I think it, ma- it makes him easier to watch because I'm not sure. Tr- the Bulls are one of those teams that's on my on my uh, no-fly zone list. I just have no interest in watching Bulls basketball right now. Um uh, Derek Lively's dealt with injuries in Dallas. Maybe I, I think I could see something sense. like that. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, guys like you know Daniel Gafford, PJ Washington. There's there's been you know some some chatter around you know, whether they could get moved. I, I really think it'd be a downgrade if those guys were moved, right? I mean, I, I again, I, I don't think there's a whole lot of teams that are necessarily in the market for a starting center. I think they're in the market for center depth. And you know, yeah. with Mark Williams out, PJ Washington is is probably kind of at his his cap right now in terms of minutes and in terms of fantasy value. So I, I don't think either of those guys would necessarily be an upgrade if they're dealt. Uh, you know, good question here from Dub Force. Is Paul Reed for the Sixers still a hold? It, it's tough, man. I mean, the, it, it's such an obvious kind of one-for-one, one, all right, Embiid's out, this guy's going to step in situation. But, you know, he's been, he's been playing through an illness lately, and it's really hard to say how much that's impacted him. Um, on balance, you know, he started 13 games this year. He's basically been in the lineup anytime Embiid misses. And it, it just hasn't been that impressive. You know, he, he had that huge game. I think it was at Denver when a bunch of Sixers were out. Other than that, you know, he's got one double-double. Uh, overall, he's averaging 10.5 points, 6.5 rebounds, one steal, 1.2 blocks. You know, if, if you could count on that production, it, it's still good enough to roster. You know, I, I don't think I'm starting him unless it's at least a three-game, if not a four-game week. Uh, you know, in weekly lineup leagues for the Sixers. But yeah, it's, I mean, the Sixers are another team, I think, that would love to have an Andre Drummond type. So for now, I, w- I would hold Paul Reed, but I also wouldn't be surprised if, you know, 30 hours from now, they they bring in a backup center and, and at least have some competition for him. And if nothing else, like they, they just need a body, right? Like Paul Reed, yeah, he's, he's you know, he's a technically a center. He's, you know, undersized compared to Joel Embiid. Their backup centers are Mo Bamba and KJ Martin, who is like, more of a wing to me than a center. So they, I, I would be shocked if the Sixers don't bring somebody in. And, and obviously if that happens, that makes Paul Reed a little less appealing. Yeah. You took the words right out of my mouth. How do we talk about teams that need a backup center and not mention the Philadelphia 76ers? I think we were stuck on the West, but the, yeah, Philadelphia, not just a backup for talk about Zion insurance. What about Embiid insurance for whenever yeah. he comes back? But uh, for fantasy purposes, you'd get somebody that would probably get thrust into the starting lineup. If, um, if they're, um, you know, name worthy enough of like a Drummond, I think would start over Paul Reed. This is not like, um, 
I think a lot of people wanted to treat this like they treat a star running back that goes down in fantasy football where you go, oh, just get the backup and then, you know, I'll mop up some fantasy points that way. The Sixers don't really run through their center. They run through Joel Embiid specifically. And Nick Nurse has just changed the way that they play basketball with him not in the lineup. So it's not a, it is not a one for one with mm-hmm. Paul Reed and and he he doesn't really give you enough. And I think Philadelphia would, would agree with that. So I would expect them to be on the horn and trying to make moves like a Jock Landell, somebody like that, that they could bring in and and just help solidify that that big man mm-hmm. spot. Yeah, I mean, one other team I would highlight at the deadline would be Chicago. Um, you know, they've always been reluctant to to wave the white flag for whatever reason. I, I know Vooch, you know, in an interview earlier this week was like, yeah, I think we got enough. I like the guys we got here. It's like, okay, you got enough for what? To like maybe get the 10 seed in the Eastern Conference? I mean, I, I appreciate your optimism, but especially with Levine out of the mix. I mean, what are we doing here? Uh, you know, Alex Caruso could be on the move. I think Io DeSumo, again, I don't know if he counts as a stash, but he is, he's 44% rostered right now in Yahoo leagues, which, you know, tend to be 10 teamers, 12 teamers. So he's, he's out there. Uh, I think, I think we'll throw him in the stash category. I mean, in deeper leagues, uh, Dale and Terry is somebody I have some interest in, you know, has, has shown some flashes over his first two years, hasn't really played too many minutes, but you know, if they were to part ways with Caruso, I think that would open things up for him a little bit more. Obviously if they trade to Rosen, you know, then then all bets are off, and I'm I'm gonna be picking up you know multiple Chicago Bulls. But Tasumu is somebody to keep an eye on specifically. I mean, he he started four games in a row, came off the bench last night against Minnesota, still played 29 minutes. That was an overtime game. Um, he's gonna be really up and down offensively, but the defensive production with him has been fantastic. I mean, really reliable in terms of steals and blocks a ton of shots for a guy his size. Yeah, and for the Bulls having as many uh, as as many star quote-unquote star players, players that the average NBA fan knows. For as many players as they have that fit the billing there, with Zach Levine hurt, I think you you look at their bench, and it's one of the more depleted in the NBA. Uh, So this is a team that if they do end up making a move, they probably want to extend the quality of their depth. And I think right now, given the the state of their roster, that's why Desunmu is, you're seeing him kind of rise up the ranks. But um, they certainly love what they're seeing in Kobe White. I know that he's a name that that people have talked about on the trade market. I don't think they move off of him uh, based on what they've been getting. He's been outstanding, and I think that he'll be a guy that they want to ride with moving yeah. forward. DeRozan, Vucevic, and uh, Levine, who's not even playing mm-hmm. right now. Um, no surprise at all if those names are moved at the deadline. All right, a couple of good questions here involving Dante DiVincenzo. Joel says, should I sell high on Brandon Miller and DiVincenzo? I got them both on waivers. What's the best value I could get? Uh, and then Dave follows up and says, should we sell high on Dante DiVincenzo? I, I would rather sell high on Dante than I would Brandon Miller because I, I do think Brandon Miller can probably keep this up. I, I think the minutes at least will be there, right? I, I, certainly Charlotte's not trading him. If anything, I think the, the roster picture might look better for Brandon Miller uh, down the stretch after the deadline than it does even right now. DiVincenzo is an interesting one. I mean, he's played so well that obviously you're, you're kind of nervous to pull the plug on this. Last five games, t- 28 points a game, five rebounds, four assists, almost two steals, uh, you know, 46% from the field. He's, he's hitting a ton of threes, 5.6 made threes per game, Brandon, uh, over the last five. Now, that has coincided exactly with OG Ananobi missing those last five games. So I, I think that's it's not necessarily a Julius Randle thing. You know, it probably helps, but it's, it's more about OG Ananobi. 
you know, DiVincenzo is still very rosterable uh, before Ananobi went down, but that's really what's pushed him into this next stratosphere. And, you know, it's also Tibbs who's playing him 40 plus minutes a game in that span. So I, I would be very open to dealing Dante DiVincenzo. The, the question, Brandon, is, you know, what can you get back for him? You know, if, if you got a manager in your league who's maybe not, uh, you know, not up to up to speed on on the Ananobi injury, uh, not saying you try to fleece somebody, but you could probably get somebody who has a, a more reliable ceiling down the stretch. Yeah, I think so. And they need what Dante DiVincenzo is bringing to them right now. Julius Randle being out, maybe it's not as uh, as direct, but he is a guy that when the ball tends to stick with Julius Randle and he can create on his own. So the fact that he's not out there opens up all these opportunities. Uh, Jalen Brunson is as good a distributor as you're going to find in the league. And right now with DiVincenzo hot, uh, he's going to continue to jack up shots until – um, they don't need them anymore, and it's going to still be a couple of weeks. So I do think that you can get um, a, a pretty notable name, um, just having a hard time figuring out who exactly that would be. But I think you can slide up that ranking pretty comfortably if you're trading DiVincenzo right now. I mean, he's a top 20 player in the last 14 days. I mean, that's that's yeah. how good he's been. So I, I do think you can aim relatively high. Um, like top you know, 40 games. overall on the season yeah. kind of player? Yeah, I mean, maybe somebody who's not playing as well lately. You know, I, I was looking at, you know, like Jalen Johnson from the Hawks. You know, I, I think I would rather have him rest of season. You know, DiVincenzo's been much better than him of late. Um, but I, I, I like, you know, especially with Atlanta potentially being a team that could have roster changes. I, I think maybe you could offer him. Uh, I mean, what about Franz Wagner? Somebody like that. You know, he's been a little bit down lately. Obviously, he missed some time with an injury. Um, he's a player I would rather have than DiVincenzo the rest of the way. You know, it's like Tyrese Maxey's been down lately. You're, you're probably not getting somebody like that. That's that's probably aiming a little bit too high. Um, but yeah, I, I would find like you're not going to get a superstar. You're not going to get somebody with like top 25 name value in fantasy. But I, I think if you go to that next year, it, it's very possible. You know, throw some throw some offers out there, see what sticks. Uh, you know, like Jalen Brown's been bad lately. <laughs> Maybe somebody's frustrated with him. Um, yeah. I, that's probably where I would draw the line. I, I I don't know. Could you get like a Bradley Beal? I would say probably not. No, nah, I don't think so. He's been playing so well lately. Yeah. CJ McCollum, you know, the ultimate. CJ McCollum, I think you could get. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, I think you could get that. Um, and, you know, with OG, they're taking it game to game. He could be back as soon as this week. It could go through the all-star break for all we know. Um, but I, I do think, you know, once Ananobi's back, then you're looking at DiVincenzo, probably a guy who's giving you closer to, you know, 15, three and three instead of 28, five and five on ridiculous right. percentages. Uh, but yeah, good, good questions all around there. It's um, so hard to trade those guys because right now you're winning because of players like this. And then to make that call where you're moving yeah. off of them, it's really all about timing. Um, you might even want to wait a few days, get a little more, get a little more juice out of that orange. Yeah. Uh, another guy who I, this is not a stash by any means, because I, I don't think his team is is necessarily going to do anything at the deadline, but Precious Achua is only rostered in 33% of Yahoo leagues. He should absolutely be rostered in more. Uh, you know, he's benefiting, I think, more so from the Randall absence than OG, but he's also moved into the starting lineup with Ananobi out. Uh, it's, it's not hurting him by any means. Um, five starts in a row now, 13 points, eight boards, 1.4 steals, 1.4 blocks. Uh, he's got seven steals in his last three games. He's got a handful of multi-block games in that span. And even once OG's back, I think we're still looking at, you know, 26 to, to 30 minutes a night at least 
for Achua. I mean, we, we know the Knicks use a shallow rotation. They've, they've started him alongside Hartenstein, you know, so they don't really seem to be fearful of that. Um, he's not a good three-point shooter, but he'll at least be somewhat of a threat. He hit one last night. Um, so I, I think they can get away with that. But again, not really a stash, but somebody, if, if you're looking for an ad around the deadline, if, we, if it ends up being relatively quiet, um, would be more than happy to add Achua. I think his roster rate yeah. should be over 50%. Yeah, he he's such a utility player for them right now, too. And they, I've seen them use him in place of Hartenstein uh, already with him missing some time. And so they've they've kind of slid him into dual roles in that front court as needed. So that's somebody that they're certainly not going to get away from. James asks, is Patrick Williams a stash now that Levine is out for the season? I've never been a huge Patrick Williams guy. I think it dates back to like four years ago. He said that he thought he could be the next Kawhi Leonard. Um, and that, that just, you know, you can't just, you just can't say something like that and play the way he's played. Um, you know, I, when I'm looking at like, what is a player's upside? You know, we have a, a good tool on Rotowire where you can, you know, you could sort game logs, nothing, nothing too crazy, but it's actually pretty convenient. And, you know, I'll just sort by, all right, let's take the 12 games in which he's played the most minutes this season. In those games, he's averaging 16 points, five rebounds, two assists, and about one block and steal combined. He, is, he has become a better three-point shooter. Um, he's hitting, you know, two and a half threes in that span. I, I would say if it's a yes or no question, is he a stash or not? I, I think he probably is. I'm not that excited about it. Um, but, you know, he, he's still a young player who they've invested a top five pick in. I, I think ideally they want him to be a part of this core. And, you know, th- this feels like it, it might be, you know, somewhat of a final audition for him down the stretch. He's injured right now. He's missed five games in a row. Um, you know, obviously check into that. Uh, they, they said back on January 30th. So that was about a week ago that he's going to miss two weeks. Probably doesn't play until after the all-star break, but yeah, if you got a roster spot, you, know, you can throw him in an IL spot in most leagues too. Um, I would, I would say worth looking into. Yeah, for sure. I think that that's a savvy move. That's the kind of guy that will get more of a runway on a team that's not going anywhere this year and kind of see what, uh, what he can produce on the tail end of the season. And especially if DeMar DeRozan is dealt, you know, he becomes even more appealing. So, you know, the Levine thing is is one nice domino where, you, you you know, you don't have to wait for the trade deadline. We know he's out for the remainder of the season. But, yeah, if they, if they deal DeRozan, then I think you're going to be sitting pretty uh, with, with Pat Williams. Um, you know, I, I was kind of thinking big picture last night, Brandon, and just, you know, looking at my, my stake league team and just, you know, watching myself fall down the standings because Jared Jackson – keeps missing games and Damian Lillard is ruled out at the last minute last night. Um, who, who have been the biggest disappointments for you? Um, you know, whether it's just in general or on, you know, your important teams, like guys who you, you felt great about on draft day and they just, they just have not been there. Uh, Shade on sharp is one. And a lot of that's just been availability. He's somebody that I felt really good about. Kate Cunningham. I invested in a year ago, got shut down and was right back to that well. Uh, he's been good when he's out there, but he's so hit or miss. Most of my disappointment really comes from availability um, more than anything else. Um, uh, Santi Aldama is another one, you know, kind of like on and off some rosters of mine, and he's somebody that we're asked about all the time here, and uh, he, he seems to get lost in the shuffle uh, with the New Orleans Pelicans. So those are a couple of the names that, that come to mind for me. Yeah, it's tough to find guys, you know, where it's not injury related. Um, yeah. You know, and you know, Lillard is, is like top of my list and he's still been fine. Right. I mean, he's been like a, a second round value, late second round 
on the year. So it hasn't been a complete disaster, but you know, obviously you're, you know, you're, you're hoping for more than that. Um, you know, when you, when you, this was an auction league where I, I paid up for him, um, you know, Jaron Jackson to me has been disappointing. It hasn't really been missed games for him. It's just been everybody else missing games and him not being able to play the role that he, that we thought he would play, you know, kind of you know, being that, that rim protector, being able to play next to Steven Adams, you know, having these other options around him. And now, now he's just turned into like uh, Jalen Green, but a, a big man who just chucks threes and is nowhere near the rim and isn't blocking shots at a high rate. But I, I don't necessarily blame him. I, I think, I mean, Memphis has had as bad of injury luck as I can remember a team having, especially, in, you know, it, as quickly as all those injuries happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I failed to mention because you're right. I, you know, like I was trying to think of a name where injury wasn't involved and I think Mikhail Bridges is the one that I felt yeah. most confident about at the start of the season that where I've seen my confidence slip the most as time has gone along. We've seen his points per game number go down. We've seen his three-point shooting go down. Um, steals and blocks, not quite as proficient as he was a year ago. And that franchise is basically his right now, so I don't really know why we're seeing this sort of a dip. I think he's an outstanding yeah. player, but something is amiss this year. Maybe it's just a down season, uh, but Mikael Bridges is not turning into the – he was fringe superstar, yeah. and he's just not – I thought he'd be like an all-star level player this year, and he's not that. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, you know, Pascal Siakam's been fine, but he hasn't mm. he hasn't been to the level I thought. I mean, he's been a, a, at least a round or two below where he was drafted in most leagues. Um, you know, Walker Kessler, obviously, uh, you know, that's been more of a, a minutes thing, and you know, the injury early on. Uh, Free key says Wiggins, all caps. Wiggins that's is disappointing. I don't. Even, I mean, I'm. That's just assumed at this point. I don't even think we need to bring up Andrew Wiggins. I mean, he's been a a complete disaster. I mean, ever, ever since he slammed his, his hand in that car door, uh, he, he has never yeah. recovered. But yeah, that's what about Anthony? What, what about Ant Man? Anthony Edwards? Does he would he qualify? Yeah. I I think he probably does based on on where he was being drafted. I mean, he's right now the twenty sixth ranked player per game in category leagues this year. I think that I think, qualifies it, as I think it coincides a little bit. This is a real life fantasy versus fantasy situation where I think his dip in fantasy is a direct correlation to the Minnesota Timberwolves being a real basketball team this year. I think so. I mean, we we keep waiting for him to make that leap into like, you know, a lot of people were like loved Anthony Edwards MVP bets, right? And I think you're kind of waiting for like that SGA type of jump in terms of numbers. And obviously the team has been great. So what do you get? You're not going to complain about a guy who's giving you 26, five and five on a great shooting splits. So it's not like he's having a bad year, but uh, yeah, he's not taking that leap forward in fantasy really at all. I mean, the, the last three seasons have been fairly stagnant. And, you know, one of the big things the, the previous two years is he was up over a steal and a half per game and the defensive numbers have, have come down a little bit, but there's not a whole lot else to complain about, you know, three point shooting. He's hovering around 40%. He's become a better free throw shooter as well. I mean, he was sneakily kind of a mid seventies guy uh, through his first few years. He's up in the mid eighties now this season. Um, James says Darius Garland. Yeah, definitely disappointing. Uh, obviously he's missed a, a bunch of time Two like two years in a row. He's had these bizarre, like facial injuries that have kind of changed yeah. the course of his season. Uh, Drello says his biggest disappointment is Zion Williamson fair. And that's actually a good one because, because, you know, much like we, we talk a lot about like Anthony Davis and LeBron having these best case health seasons, this has been pretty much best case for Zion. And he's like a borderline top 100 guy in cat leagues. Yeah. Like, 
the best version of Zion were these short spurts that we got in the last couple of seasons, but the consistent, healthy version, I'm assuming that some of that is just based on the Pelicans protecting him a little bit, not making yeah. him the focal point, just more of a cog in the wheel um, and conditioning. I, do, I don't think that Zion is the conditioned athlete that um, that he really should be at this stage. <laughs> very right. bold of you to say that uh yeah i, I agree know. i know you haven't uh, heard they, that anywhere else before yeah well it's it's the lack of defensive stats and the free throw percentage is absolutely crushing you in in category leagues i mean he's like 67 percent on a pretty high volume um all right we'll hit two more questions and then we got to get out of here uh james says how about Bilal koulibaly uh asking about him as a stash i'm not the biggest koulibaly guy but the Wizards could have a fire sale, um, in which case, you know, not only would he play more minutes, but would presumably take on more usage. The thing is, he just has too many no-show games. Like, he started the other night against Phoenix. They got blown out, you know, kind of a weird game script. Didn't score in 25 minutes. Took two shots. Gave you one rebound and one turnover. That was it. And I know he's shown flashes. You know, the three-point shooting early on was was pretty encouraging. That's kind of fallen off over the last few weeks. In a deeper league, yeah, I would think about it. But I've I've mostly been staying away from him. He's such an awkward, unconventional player. I think a guy like that, it's just going to take time. And whether he gets more opportunities for the rest of the season or not, I don't think the fantasy stats are going to be there for him. Trey asks, is it time to sell high on Kobe White? My first inclination is no. I, I would totally ride this out, man. I don't I don't. The think fact that this has been a conversation him. for a month now, it's like right. it means no, right? Yeah, I mean, it's been basically the whole season, right? We're not talking yeah. about a two-week stretch for Kobe White. I mean, you could go all the way back. I just pulled a, a sample since since Thanksgiving. 23 points, five and a half boards, five and a half assists, 48-43-82 shooting splits. Uh, you know, he's coming off of a huge game last night. You know, had a big game against Charlotte last week as well. I No, I would not be pulling the plug. I, I think if, if anything, his situation might improve at the deadline. Yeah, I, I, I mean, at this point, um, we what you're getting from him, you have to absolutely love. And I don't see it changing. I think it'll be a lot to ask for it to get better. He's been, um, he's been outstanding. He's been consistent and it's been going on for months now. So yeah. now I think we're past, we're past the point of sell high. And I even regret at this point, even having the conversation two months yeah. ago. Yeah. The only thing is like, I would trade him for a similar player. If you need specific category help in the cat league you know i mean it's like if you could get another you know, if you need a big man or whatever it's like if you could trade him straight up for i don't know like if somebody will give you carl anthony towns for him it's like yeah then i would do it but no i would i would certainly would not be aggressively shopping him like i'll, I'll listen to offers on kobe white but i don't I, I don't think there's any reason to to think that this can't continue and unless for whatever reason they would put him on the block which i don't no. i just don't see being the case i know the bulls don't really operate by you know normal rational means at all times but I, I think, you know, he's one of the, the very few guys on this roster who you say, all right, we actually could build around you. Yeah, they've, they've got bigger fish to fry in the trade market than uh, Kobe White. All right, man. I know you got to get out of here. So we will we'll cut things off here. Appreciate all the questions in the chat. Everybody watching along live. Brandon, I'll talk to you on our Sirius XM show later tonight. So we'll talk some hoops there. We'll talk some Super Bowl as well uh dr a steve alexander rick camla they'll be on the pod tomorrow uh they'll be doing the trade deadline show so make sure you jump in shoot them some questions they'll have plenty of analysis as everything breaks alex barutha shannon McCune, ken kreitz they will be back on friday they'll be talking trade deadline fallout they'll be talking one of the biggest waiver periods 
of the year. So make sure you go and listen to both of those pods. You can find them on YouTube live. You can find them on Twitter. Uh, please like and most importantly, subscribe to the YouTube channel as we continue to try to build this out. So um, thank you as always for listening along. And one more thing, Brandon, you got 10 seconds here. Who's winning the Super Bowl? I I know that um, I wish I could come up with a creative way to word this at this point, but I am not betting against Patrick Mahomes. And I think the sneaky, the sneaky reason to take the Kansas City Chiefs, because there's nothing sneaky about Mahomes, is I actually think they have the better defense right now. Um, 49ers have looked awfully shaky. Uh, the Sharps are going to be all over San Francisco. So just know you're Joe Public if you're on Kansas City, but I'm on the Chiefs this weekend. All right. I'm with you, man. Go Chiefs. We'll lock it in. Brandon, I'll talk to you later tonight. Thanks again, everybody, for listening.